and welcome to Sex for Money, the podcast where we talk about the business of writing, publishing, and selling romantic and erotic fiction. I'm your host, Cameron D. James. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I am an author of uh, Gay Erotic Romance and Gay Erotica. I'm also the publisher over at Deep Desires Press, and we publish romantic and erotic fiction of all romantic pairings. Uh, And I also publish other erotica stories under some other pen names as well. So I have about a hundred publications out under my various pen names, um, and I've done a whole lot of editing and publishing in the genre uh, with other authors. Today we're going to be wrapping up our three-part series on the different approaches to writing romantic and erotic fiction, and really this applies to uh, any genre that you choose to write in or that you want to write in. Um, just because this podcast focuses on romantic and erotic fiction, any examples I use will be sort of in those genres. However, you could easily uh, take these approaches for your science fiction project, your horror project, your uh, young adult novel, whatever you want. So to summarize, uh, two months ago we talked about writing for yourself, and that's the approach where you write the story that you want to read, and you don't really necessarily consider uh, is it something that the marketplace needs or that is selling hot on the market, and you also don't necessarily consider is this what my target audience wants. You might not even know what your target audience is other than your target audience is someone like you. For example, with my main pen name, Cameron D. James, a lot of what I write is writing for myself. Uh, I write the stories that I want to write, and I don't necessarily consider the market or the audience so much. I do to a certain extent. Um, it's it's really difficult to write uh, under one of these approaches without considering the others at some point or another. What will differ between person and person and project and project is how much of how much balancing you do between those three different approaches. So as I was saying, with Cameron D. James, I do a lot of writing for myself versus writing for the market or writing for an audience. The best example I can come up with that is right now I'm working on a novel called New York Heat, and it is a sequel to my Go-Go Boys of Club 21 series and a sequel to my Men in the Hot Room series. So basically, two separate series are going to merge slash crossover in this new uh, book. And, well, I guess a new series, because I have a couple sequels planned after that. Uh, But I'm writing what I want to write, and the novel is ending up being really long. I'm at 140,000 words right now. It'll probably end up around 180,000 words. Uh, for anyone that is listening that doesn't necessarily write, uh, if you're just sort of a reader that's listening in on this podcast, 180,000 words is approximately two full-length novels. Um, the average novel is about 70 to 90,000 words, so we're looking at two full-length novels, possibly a little bit more than two full-length novels. Uh, so it's going to be a long book. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily has a super marketable hook. Uh, Like, I don't think I could summarize a story in one sentence. Uh, It's sort of a thematic novel on the meaning of family slash community in the LGBT community in New York City and how that comes to a head when there is a crisis that faces a community. Now, that doesn't really sound like a 
uh, romantic slash erotic title, does it? That's because I haven't nailed the marketing on it yet. There is a ton of sex in it, um, which I guess would be partly writing for me, partly writing for the market, partly writing for my audience, because I know all three of those approaches want lots of sex in the book. So New York Heat is entirely sort of a passion project that I want to write for myself. Uh, the second approach was to write for the market. That's where you research what is the hottest selling genre, what are the hottest selling titles in those genres, and what are the commonalities in those hottest selling titles. So that would involve a lot of research. Uh, ideally, you might uh, buy and read the top five uh, titles in a certain category, really analyze their story structure, their character types, their plot devices, um, any cliches they use, any tropes they use, um, and try to incorporate that into the novel that you're writing. And you would also consider things like, are there any commonalities among the covers, any commonalities among the titles, uh, commonalities among the descriptions, because something is grabbing readers with those titles uh, and those books, and readers are going nuts over them. So once you can crack what's going on, and then you can take those lessons or those rules or that list of uh, bits and pieces of information you've created and then apply it to your own fiction. So you might not be writing necessarily something that you're interested in or that maybe something that you're not entirely passionate about but you know it's what the market wants so you write that. As I continue to learn about some of the scams that quote-unquote bad authors are engaging with on Amazon I find writing for the market a little bit difficult to pinpoint at this point. Uh, so to give you some summary backstory, and I'm not entirely on top of all of this, so don't quote any of this as fact. Um, however, when an author chooses to publish on Amazon, if they go through Kindle Unlimited, which means you are exclusive to Amazon and uh, Kindle Unlimited uh, subscribers on Amazon can read your book for free, and then you get paid per page read, and right now I think it's about under half a cent per page. Um, so basically your books are super easily accessible to those who are, are in the Kindle Unlimited program um, on the customer side, and so you're going to get a lot of people in that program reading your books. This has led to scammy behavior. It always has. If you have any sort of plan where people can get money, uh, on the author side, of course, there are going to be people that engage in questionable practices. The thing that's really coming to head right now is book stuffing. That's where you, an author who engages in book stuffing, uh, puts their book up on Kindle Unlimited. The actual novel might be the first 10% of their ebook file, and the remaining 90% remaining is all sorts of extra junk that they've added in. It could be re the book repeated 10 times. It could be um, you have start with the actual book and then you have all these other old books. Uh, it could be the actual book and then literally garbage for the rest of the 90% of the ebook file. The goal in ebook stuffing is to make your book as long as possible and to get the reader to click all the way through the end um, to so that you can get 
the most number of pages read, uh, which increases your payment slash royalty. I believe the pages read caps out around 6,000. So these authors try to make their ebooks 6,000 pages long, no matter what. Um, and then, so the actual book the reader wants is only about the first 10%. And then after that 10%, uh, in some book stuffing books, they will have a link that says click here for whatever reason. It's really enticing. And they click that link and it takes them all the way to the last page of the book. So they skip over all that garbage, all that stuff that's been stuffed in the book right to the end. And Amazon records that as this reader read 6,000 pages and the author gets a huge payment for that, um, way more than they should have gotten paid. And Amazon has tried to fight against this, so they have tried to create a system where if a reader skips pages like that, you don't get paid for pages like that. Uh, however, it is not a perfect system, and there are people that report that uh, if a reader skips 5,000 pages, uh, that the author is still getting paid for it in some cases. Uh, and there are also authors who have talked their readers into manually just click through every single page. If you want to support your author, if you really love this author, you will do this for them. So there's all sorts of scams and manipulation to get readers to make their way all the way through a 6,000-page book. I do want to highlight that book stuffing is different than bundling. If you are bundling, say you have a series uh, or a bunch of books that are very similar in theme and you want to create a bundle, um, if you clearly label it as a bundle and the description makes it clear that there's a bundle and the description also includes uh, information on everything that's in the book, that is totally legitimate. Uh, with book stuffing, they avoid all of that. So if I were to book stuff, and I'm not in Kindle Unlimited, so I couldn't, and also... I believe book stuffing is unethical, so I wouldn't. But if I were to book stuff, let's say we've got my short story, Bathhouse Nights. It, if you haven't read it, I recommend you go out and read it. Anyway, Bathhouse Nights is a short story. I believe it's about 10,000 words long, which is, I don't know, maybe 30 Kindle, Kindle pages. If I wanted to book stuff, then after that 30 Kindle pages... I would probably put in every single book I've published, which for that pen name, I don't know if that even comes to 6,000 Kindle pages. So then if I'm desperate to reach 6,000 Kindle pages, I would then maybe stuff all the books in again. So I've got Bathhouse Nights, every other book I've published, and then I repeat every other book I've published. And my goal is to get the author, the reader to click all the way to the end of the book so I get the maximum payout possible for that book. Really, I should have gotten, well, if it's 30 pages, half a cent to pay 15 cents, if I'm doing my math right, I should have got 15 cents for someone reading Bathhouse Nights. But if they click, if the reader clicks all the way through to the end, I believe uh, the payout caps out around 15 bucks. I think my math is way wrong. Anyway, the, it caps out way higher way higher than I would have got if someone would have just bought the book flat out. So that's book stuffing, and that is different than bundling. Oh, and also with book stuffing, I would be advertising that book as Bathhouse Nights, and I would not mention every other book that's in there. 
that's part of the deception aspect of it. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other practices that go into book stuffing. If you're really curious what certain authors are up to, you can go and research. Of course, do not engage in any of those um, because they are unethical. Amazon is cracking down on book stuffing, and so if you engage in book stuffing, your account is at risk. Um, and then also you will be shamed by the romance reader and writer community. Uh, there's a real backlash against it right now. So don't do it, but it is helpful to know what other people are doing. So the reason we got on that tangent... Oh yes, I said that um, researching the market isn't exactly reliable, and it's because of book stuffing, because unethical authors are gaming the system in every way possible. The bestsellers in the romance genre aren't necessarily bestsellers. They're the ones that can manipulate Amazon the most. Um, so that's why it's a bit questionable, uh, because what you're looking at isn't necessarily what readers want. What you're looking at is authors who have successfully manipulated a maximum payout. Uh, and the maximum number of readers, which isn't necessarily related to reader interest. Uh, your better approach might be, say, to go on Goodreads and look for a list of uh, a list of the best books in a certain genre, in whatever genre or subgenre you write. Uh, those might not be best-selling, but they are the ones that uh, readers have decided are the best. So it is still writing for the market, but that might be verging into writing for your target audience. Anyway, if you want a little bit more information on either writing for yourself or writing for the market, then I recommend you go back to the previous two episodes. Today we're going to talk about writing for your target audience. Uh, and when you write for your target audience, your main objective is to please your target audience. Uh, and this might mean that you're not necessarily writing for yourself and you're not necessarily writing for the market. You are writing with specific audience in mind. And the first step in that is to figure out who your target audience is or who you want your target audience to be. And then from there, you can make decisions based on uh, story style, uh, plot devices, what the plot is, who the characters are, if the book is a short story or a novel or a novella. You make all of those decisions based on your knowledge of the target audience. Uh, my probably best example I can come up with is my buddy Master Dominic, uh, who I hope to have on perhaps next month's episode to talk about taboo erotica. Uh, but Dominic writes very taboo stuff. So there's some incest, there's some uh, water sports, there's all sorts of BDSM stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that he writes that's banned from Amazon, Banned from Kobo, iBooks, and Barnes and Noble. So really, most of his books are available on Smashwords only. Normally, I would call that hmm, what I call it author suicide. I don't know if I'd go that strong, but um, for myself as Cameron D. James, like most of my sales are Amazon and iBooks. Those are my biggest places, and so I get the occasional sale on Smashwords, but. Certainly not enough to make it worth my while if Smashwords was the only place that my fiction was available. However, uh, Dominic has his target audience in mind, uh, and he'll explain more of it when I get him on the podcast here, but uh, I believe his, pod his um, target audience is 
uh, older gay men who are really into the kink and fetish. Uh, so maybe like leather daddies, people into um, like leather bars. Uh, oh, I don't even know all the words. Uh, but the really kinky guys who aren't necessarily readers. That's part of the challenge, I think, with uh, Dominic. Um because he's targeting a group that doesn't necessarily read a lot of uh, ebooks. However, that is his target audience, and so he writes specifically for them. So he writes the incest fantasies, he writes the water sports. Uh, for those who might not know lingo, water sports is basically piss play. Um, and he writes sort of the extreme BDSM. Uh, lots of questionable situations, uh, questionable relationships, uh, and that's what he says his target audience wants. And so he's shown me his sales numbers a couple times, and he does quite well for himself on Smashwords, way better than I do on Smashwords. And that's because he knows who his target audience is, he knows what his target audience wants, and he knows that his target audience will buy his books on Smashwords, even though Smashwords is not necessarily a high-sales high site for other authors. Because if, if you have your target audience in mind and you really appeal to them, they will go out of their way to buy your books wherever they are available, even if it's not someplace they normally shop. And while he has his target audience in mind, there are, of course, people outside of his target audience who will read... Uh, his fiction because they're intrigued. Um, I know that a couple months ago he told me about a tweet he received that kind of uh, surprised him out of the blue. And don't worry, I have his permission to talk about all of this. Um, he, in, in his mind, his readers are like older leather daddies, into anonymous sex, bathhouses, cruising, uh, questionable situations, um, taboo fantasies, all that sort of stuff. But it's mostly older gay men is his target audience. Um, but on Twitter, there was this uh, heterosexual woman in her 30s who was absolutely raving about Master Dominic's dirty stories. Uh, and that took him for a loop because that is not his target audience, um, which is totally understandable because when he told me I was a little bit surprised myself so when you write for a target audience there will of course be other people outside of your target audience that read your books and love it um, however you are still writing for your target audience so that's the main gist of writing for your audience uh, when you're deciding on your characters and your plot and your story progression and what type of sex acts you include uh, if it's an erotic book. Uh, you make your decisions based on what you think your audience would want. So if I, as Cameron D. James, were to write for my audience, and to be entirely honest, I'm not entirely sure who my audience is, because um, it M.M. Erotic Romance is largely read by women, um, so I would imagine I have a lot of female readers. However, I think I also have a lot of male readers because it tends to be male readers that reach out to me to tell me that they've enjoyed their, my book. Um, so I do have this cross-section where I'm not exactly sure who my target audience is. However, uh, I do know that 
generally who my target audience is not. So I would not try to write for Master Dominic's target audience because that would alienate my target audience. I have co-written a couple books with Master Dominic, um, our Academic Discipline series, which is about BDSM in a school setting uh, between teacher and student, so slightly taboo, uh, but still within what I think my target audience appreciates, um, and it's loosely within Master Dominic's target audience. His target audience would prefer far more extreme than I want to include in the Academic Discipline series. So when I write for my target audience, I make sure not to include certain things. I will not do a lot of the things that Master Dominic does. Um, whereas when <clears throat> Dominic writes for his target audience, he would look at what I'm writing and he'd say, well, you need to like kick up the kink quite a bit because that's what his audience wants. And once you've got a target audience and you really appeal to them and they really love your books that's when the sales start to come so you're not you're not chasing the market like writing to market is but you are chasing the audience and then the market sort of comes along with that so you have to know your audience you have to write for your audience you have to sometimes find your audience um, so if your audience isn't naturally scrolling through Smashwords, then you have to find out where they are, uh, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, wherever, and make your presence known and make it known what you write and, more importantly, where your books are available, and then your target audience will go and buy those books. Sometimes, depending on what you, who your target audience is, the market might be quite small, um, there was a author I saw on Smashwords once, I think he just writes under the name Wolf, and he writes, um, Vor Erotica, that's where one person swallows the other, not, not cannibalistically, because you, you don't cut them up and eat them, but you just swallow them whole, like the big bad wolf in The Three Little Pigs would do. And so I happened to see his book on Smashwords, and I started reading. It was very well written. I can't remember the title of it. Um, but it was obviously for a very specific audience. And I would imagine the audience for Vor, gay Vor erotica is probably very, very small. However, if you do a good job of attracting your audience, you can still have high sales because most of that audience is aware of you and they buy your books. Uh, that may mean that there's a bit of a shorter shelf life for your books because if it's a very limited audience, such as those who like gay or erotica, once the bulk of them buy your book, then there's a lot fewer people who are still going to buy your book in the future. So there is that consideration. However, there are always going to be people that find you uh, at later points in time. Uh, so never take down your books once the sales start to drop off because there will always be sales going forward uh, but the bulk of them might be a bit front heavy so that's largely writing for your target audience um, and as I mentioned already this month and last month and the month before uh, you'll almost never write exclusively with one of these approaches in mind most likely you will be balancing all three of them uh, so 
one project I took on recently was um, what happened. To, I watched that movie Love Simon, which is based on the book Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. So it's a young adult romance. Uh, the movie is a romantic comedy, and the book is more, I want to say, general young adult fiction with a slight romance aspect, but not. I'd be hard pressed to call it an actual romance. So I watched the movie, I read the book, I decided, you know what, I love the movie. The book was good, but it wasn't really what I was expecting, because it's a bit different than the movie, and I had seen the movie first. And I decided I want to write a young adult romance book that captures the feel of Love, Simon, for those who love the movie. So this is my thought process involving writing for yourself, writing for the market, and writing for the audience. I wanted to write this book because I loved that book, that movie so much, and I wanted to write a book that captured the same feeling uh, and captured the same emotions. So that is writing for myself. But writing young adult romance is completely different than writing romance for adults and absolutely completely different from writing erotica. Number one, there can be no sex, um, and even having erotic thoughts is a bit questionable. So you really have to tone it down to a G level or a PG level. Uh, you can't really get into the sexy stuff at all. So I had to also think, okay, what does a young adult reader look for in a book? Typically, there's a bit of a sassy narrator, um, who's good at snarky comebacks. However, that they were talking about that on the Writing Excuses podcast a couple months ago, and that might be on its way out as a trend, and it can be overdone, and it, you just have to be careful with it. But they are looking for a unique narrator. Uh, young adult fiction is often written in first person, um, and young adult fiction often has very diverse cast of characters that reflect true life. Um, so there's all these aspects that go into a young adult novel that the reader expects. That was me making story choices based on my understanding of the readership of young adult novels. So I wrote this book. Uh, it's called Gay Love and Other Fairy Tales, and it's going to be published under my sub-pen name, I guess, of Dylan James. I decided to create a new pen name that's related to Cameron D. James because I want my Cameron D. James audience to know that I've written this young adult novel, and if they're looking for something a little bit sweeter versus erotic, then they know that I've got this other book here and they can go read it. But since I'm attracting a young adult audience, which sometimes includes underage people, I did not want to use my Cameron D. James pen name and link them to... Uh, erotic content that they should not be accessing as underage. Anyway, that's a backstory on the name Dylan James. So I wrote it for myself because this was a passion project, but I also wrote it for the target audience because I made decisions based on what I know, or I think I know, the audience of young adult romance novels want in their books. So I wrote this book. I absolutely love it. Uh, my beta readers have really loved it. It's with an editor right now. And then here's where writing for the market comes in. I had to decide, am I going to try to pitch it to an agent and get it traditionally published? Or am I going to self-publish it? Or am I going to try to publish it through my company, Deep Desires Press? Uh, 
I started by querying some agents because if you can get an agent and you can get a traditional publishing deal, like then you get wider distribution and theoretically higher sales. So I did start with that, but I decided if I if my book doesn't get snapped up right away, and it hasn't, spoiler alert, then I will take it upon myself to publish it myself because I want to get it out while there's still this appreciation of the Love, Simon movie. Um, because if I go through an agent and the traditional publishing world, it might take a year, it might take two years before it reaches bookstore shelves, and by then Love, Simon will be long forgotten and the world will have moved on to a different young adult novel trend. Um, so while I would still have wider distribution by traditional publishing, I would be a little bit late to the game, I guess you could say, because the Love, Simon uh, buzz has completely worn off by then. So I decided if I didn't get snapped up right away, which I didn't, then I will make plans to publish it myself, either as a self-publishing project or through my Deep Desires Press uh, company. And we would get it out, I would get it out uh, late summer, early fall, so that I'm still within reasonable distance from Love, Simon, so those who have seen the movie and are looking for more can find my book. Um, if there, if Love, Simon viewers are looking for books, there will of course be people who have never heard of Love, Simon who will be looking for books like my book. So it's not entirely dependent on Love, Simon, but Love, Simon was a serious consideration in my publishing schedule. So I am making plans now to publish it either self-publishing or through my company because I want it out in the summer and that was a marketing decision. That was writing for the, well I guess not writing for the market but publishing for the market. I want it out by a certain time to catch a certain market. In the process of writing, publishing, and eventually selling this book I considered writing for myself, writing for the audience, and writing slash publishing for the market. So it is nearly impossible to um, consider only one approach and not any of the others in your decisions. So that wraps up our three-part series on writing different approaches to writing erotic and romantic fiction. Uh, if you missed any of the earlier episodes, definitely go back and check them out. And so looking ahead on our podcast schedule, I'm hoping that next month I'll have Master Dominic on and we'll talk about taboo erotica and what are some considerations if taboo erotica is what you want to do. Uh, and we'll talk about why Master Dominic writes taboo erotica, um, because it is an interesting discussion, I think, um, because Amazon is the world's biggest bookseller, I believe, on the internet. And so if they're the world's biggest bookseller, why would you write taboo erotica that is not allowed on Amazon? So he's trying to build a writing career that largely avoids Amazon. I know he has a few things on Amazon, but most of his stuff is not there. So we will talk to him hopefully next month. If not next month, we will talk to him very soon and find, about, find out about that end of the erotic pool. Uh, shortly after that, hopefully the month after that, 
I'm going to have my first deep dive episode where we talk about safer sex practices in romantic and erotic fiction. Um, And that will be a much longer episode uh, featuring a lot of interviews. I have uh, on my second episode of Sex for Money, I believe, I had Ian Lewis on the podcast Uh, And after the podcast, I recorded a little bit of an extra episode to get his take on uh, safer sex in erotic fiction. Um, On my other podcast, the Deep Desires podcast, I just interviewed uh, Jessica Collins and Siren Suing on safer sex practices in romantic and erotic fiction. If you want to listen to that episode, go to deepdesirespress.com slash podcast or look for the Deep Desires podcast in your podcast app or website. And it is, right now, it's the most current episode. So we will have an excerpt of that interview on my Deep Dive episode. I'm hoping to have Master Dominic appear on that episode as well. I will talk about my approach to safer sex in romantic and erotic fiction, and I'm hoping to have someone who's either a sex educator or someone who works in an organization that uh, deals with safer sex practices to talk about some of the realities of safer sex. That will be hopefully, let's see, this is July... Master Dominic in August. So that'll hopefully be a September episode if I can get my act together in time. Um, and really, I do have over half of the episode recorded and saved already. So it's just a matter of doing a couple other interviews and editing it all together. So that is looking ahead. Um, if you have any feedback on writing for yourself, writing for the market, or writing for the audience, or if you have any opinions on safer sex in erotic and romantic fiction, uh, or if you have anything else that you want to say to me, I definitely invite you to email me. I'm Cameron at IndieErotica.com. That's Cameron at IndieErotica.com. Or I'm easily found on Twitter at Cameron underscore D underscore James. That's at Cameron underscore D underscore James. And drop me a line. Let me know what you think about these different approaches to writing. Uh, Let me know what you think about safer sex practices in romantic and erotic fiction. Uh, Or if you have anything else to say, just let me know. And I wanted to remind you that this podcast is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash sexformoneypodcast. And if you support at $5 a month or more, uh, you'll get my eternal gratitude. Uh, you will also get some book promotion services uh, through the Indie Erotica website and the Indie Erotica Twitter account. So definitely check that out if you are looking for some assistance with book promotion. Or if you just love this podcast so much you want to throw a couple bucks my way, definitely check that out. That's patreon.com slash podcast. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for joining me, and we will talk to you next month.